When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't perform from a place of fear. You can't. In my head, I know that my intention is pure. Mm -hmm. I have no ill intention. I'm not here to hurt anybody's feelings, nor I hate anyone. And I've got nothing but love and respect and joy to be here. So from that place, I give myself all the permission to perform. And, and if I don't do that, it's going to affect my performance mm -hmm. and I have not fully given this beautiful experience to the audience. All right, welcome to another episode of Wild Truth. I have a very special guest today. She's a friend. She is a lawyer. She is a dope, cool LA cat. Please welcome Mitra Ahurian. <laughs> nice to be here, Max. I don't know how much of that I agreed with, but okay. <laughs> you know, Especially is... the part about being a cool LA cat. Yeah, you are. <laughs> definitely. You definitely you're the coolest lawyer I know. Thank you. Yeah. Lawyers are very boring. Um and lawyers are very obnoxious. Like they're boring people who are very obnoxious at parties. That sounds awful. This is generalizing lawyers, right? Yeah. But that's what happens to most parties. Like you see this lawyer guy who just like, oh, all day, every day, he's rigid with all these like languages and complicated laws and, and, and contracts. And then at the wedding, the dude that's the wildest with his hair all over the place and tie <laughs> over there. And he's like dancing the, out of coordination, but crazy. And you go, who is that guy? They're like, oh, that's the lawyer of the groom. He's one of the best lawyers in the country. Like, uh, he looks like one of the worst <laughs> guests that anybody could have invited to this party. We had to let loose. Yeah. We got tough jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to say it's very special for me to have my lawyer on this mm. on this show. And you're a lot of people don't know, but you're a very, very skilled lawyer. When I made my first movie, you represented my entire film, my investors. It was a very complicated piece, and that's when I realized how brilliant you are at what you do. And then I realized, oh my God, you do different branches of law, uh, not just entertainment. And then so I opened my um, 501c charity uh, company with you, and then I did copyrights with you. I've gotten my cousin's green cards through you. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I didn't do that, but I'm thinking about it. <laughs> We fought some good fights, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. We totally did. So I just want everybody here to know why I brought Mitra to the show. Because besides her professional connection and, and professional relationship, she's a dear friend. And when work is aside, somehow we have some of the best personal conversations. And I could say... Uh, Mitra is also my therapist, my psych psychologist. 
<laughs> and and so am I for her. Like I have a dual degree. <laughs> yes, yes. So we, we but we do share a lot of our personal sure. struggles and and we can talk deep. And then so through all these years we've gotten to know each other so well. And I thought, you know, I want I want people to hear some of this conversation. So my goal through this 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 session today is try to replicate that genuine connection I have with you and, and talk about some stuff here with you that normally we, we would talk about behind closed doors about certain thing aspects of my relationship and my, my, my struggles with my work or in my personal life and, and vice versa as much as you want to talk about. And on top of that, just get to know a little bit of the projects you're doing, the the activities that you have going on in your life right now. So that I just think that would be a good introduction of this episode. I love it. Yeah, let's do it. Right, let's dive into yeah. it. <laughs> um, okay, so you're beautiful. You're Persian. You're a lawyer. You're one of the smartest people I know. So, not to make this a compliment thing, you're a smart person. As a smart, beautiful individual, why are you single? Is that intimidating uh, to men? Is that is that the reason? That's a fantastic question. Um, I think that the dating pool sort of narrows when you're in that category at some point. Um, I think that you know I probably have sort of high standards, but I think they're fair standards to have mm -hmm. when you hold yourself to you know to certain expectations. I think that. And I just haven't found my person. Sometimes it just comes down to that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like same it, here. I feel the same way. I'm yeah. so smart and and so talented and so beautiful. <laughs> and uh the pool narrows. Did that come out the pool come off? Narrows. Is that this that is not how I meant for it to come <laughs> no, no, off. No, 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 no. Seriously. Uh, like I just no, it doesn't I, I ask because a lot of girls that are in professional fields they claim that the it's harder for them to find someone because they come across intimidating to men. They say that men generalizing, uh, they're looking for a girl that they that doesn't know as much as them or is not in their level, so they can um, kind of be in, in control. So let me throw Rawr. that. Let me throw that back at you. Is that true? I think it's true for certain men. Um, I personally cannot relate to it. Mm -hmm. I find it very attractive um, if the the person I'm with is smart. I mm -hmm. feel like that's your life partner. So uh, if you're going to have a partner, why would you want to have a partner that is not so smart or not so powerful and not so wanting to have control uh, is, is it derives from insecurity for sure so so you got to work on yourself on that part and say hey where am i being insecure in this relationship and, and kind of like finding uh, the healing for that and then blossom uh, from the opportunity of being being with a partner that's strong in many levels of life and uh do you think that regardless of this stuff that we just talked about there is a problem in some sort of capacity for us that we haven't gotten there. And, and I'll let you dissect me first and kind of figure out like, because you know me pretty well, uh, to know to what level do I feel like I haven't met my person and to what level is because there's some issues there that needs to be faced and handled. So the right person can come in my life. For sure. 
for sure. All I can right, tell you well, what mine is too it. because I've thought about it. Okay. But no, but I would say yours is you second guess yourself. Cut! Cut that <laughs> shit out! What do you mean? I, I don't second out anything. It's so interesting because in like professionally and creatively, you just do. You know, mm-hmm. like you don't think about it too much and you're you're very intuitive and you're very confident in your decisions. That usually comes down to a fear. Okay. So what okay, is it what that is you're, my fear? what do you, what you is it? You tell that, me. Okay. It's either than it. Okay. When people are afraid, they're either afraid that things are going to turn out horribly or they're going to turn out great. And that's going to mm. mess with their sort of, or that they can't, things are going to go great and they can't handle that. Okay, if things go great, I'm totally okay with that. Are you sure? Hundred <laughs> percent. Okay. Um, I I well, definitely I guess, have a lot of fears. Yeah. Definitely have a lot of fears, uh, but not a fear of things going great. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, things are going great. I'm like, ooh, I'm scared. No, I'm like, thank God, things are going great. No, I as soon as something goes wrong, I freak out, and and I go, whoa. So then if this is going wrong, then the rest of my life is going to be this turmoil of this direction of more of this. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Where's the exit? Mm-hmm. Can somebody show me how to get the hell out of here? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you see it all like one thing happens and then it's all going downhill. And then you have this whole picture of how your whole yeah. life is ruined and you've been through a divorce. Well, that's an now exaggeration and you got yeah. of, of like the the whole thing right so i i have a a fear of things i have a fear of marrying someone and then having to divorce them and it this sounds simple but uh the failure in mm. that regards is a problem for me mm. if i feel like i failed in that regards then i feel like i made the same mistake as my parents mm-hmm. and then from a young age I didn't want to be like my parents. I didn't want to have a relationship with someone that ends up being like that, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And the, and so, were you? Did your parents divorce? Divorced, yeah, okay. divorced, and they they had a lot of arguments. It was not a. It was not like a. I never really experienced the happiest, um, loving. Uh, relationship between my, my mom and dad at a young age. So I think the young me said, hey, when I'm there, I'm going to have a beautiful um, situation and I'm going to have an awesome relationship with my significant other and then my kids will be in this great situation, right? So the fear of not being able to create that for my kids in the future is the reason that I don't have that nor kids and nothing, you know, <laughs> I think but, it's a, I see? think it's a reasonable fear. I mean, I th- you know, look at the statistics. You go into a marriage thinking that's going to be the rest of your life and you have sort of this idea of what that's going to look like yeah. and you invest like so much, you yeah. know, you merge your lives and then if you have children, obviously that's even more of a commitment to spending the rest of your life with someone. So I think it's a legitimate fear. I okay, so my my fear of loss stems from losing one of the most important people to me that I love the most. That's where my fear of loss comes from. I know that. Um, and you know that I, I was raised a Baha'i. I'm, I'm a Baha'i. So we have that sense of like when bad things are happening to you, they, they're happening for you. Yeah. Um, they're teaching you to be stronger, to have other virtues, patience, compassion, you know, all these things that sort of when you come out of the other side of something – you are presumably, if you've done the work, 
better in some way. I enjoy life so much now because of the stuff that I went through that was really hard when my dad was sick and like just every day was a struggle or when you go through a breakup or something like that. Like you can enjoy all of the really beautiful moments so much more. And life is going to have both. Mm -hmm. So I think that letting go and like not being attached to our things, even yeah. people. Um, but my my fear of loss, I think, is very real and something that I've I've worked on. But it's definitely deep and it's there. Yeah. But um, here's the thing: like, I feel like letting go is a skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Humans were very attached to this world, uh, and and letting go is probably one of the most important aspects of our life that we're not trained for. It's never going to be easy. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, we have to get better at accepting it mm-hmm. uh, faster, easier, and with less amount of pain. Mm-hmm. So whatever that percentage is, hopefully it will reduce as we're experiencing life. Yep. So just for people that don't know what Baha'i religion is, it's a very beautiful religion as you accept the, you go to the church and you accept this religion. They give you a million dollars, and um, you're set I for life. Um, just so the opposite I, of Scientology. I said that so everybody will look into it. See, that, that's that smart. I was like, oh, really? Let me just let's, let me let's see look what at this. It this uh, it's a beautiful, very spiritual, um, uh, very spirit. Baha'is are very spiritual, and and I had the opportunity. Uh, at a young age to go to the Baha'i Center in Los Angeles and spend a lot of time and listen to a lot of the readings and I'm like, wow, the poetries and the and the, the, the philosophy of the Baha'i religion is so rich and spiritual. It's just spiritual. It, what I'm, the reason I use this is, is it doesn't have such a religious weight to it. It doesn't have like a hell and 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 here you're about to burn and, and now you're going to be cut in half and there's a snake that's going to go up your ass it was none of that stuff more so very like love is a huge aspect mm-hmm. of the the poetries and the and the the community and the and the you know that was those are the things i, I walked away with from baha'i center mm. feeling like the love and it's just like I remember all the the open mics that we had. The musicians and the artists would get together, and mm. the bondship and the care and the support, and such a beautiful, beautiful community. I was I was very lucky to be raised in the faith because it also gives you a lot of tools for how to deal with challenges. I mean, even how to deal with what's going on in society right now. Um, our faith taught us that there's going to be this sort of destruction and then a rebuilding destruction of the old of like mm-hmm. all the things that are wrong with society right now has to be destroyed before the new will come up and so if it's encouraging to anyone we're we're on our path to like building something new and better um but i was very lucky to have you know like i had parents who uh believed that in the equality of men and women and so i was encouraged to have the same education that my brothers had um, and that was, you know, all the, all the stuff. I was never treated differently, even though I was raised in a Middle Eastern family. And I think that, you know, one of the things that was that was really great for me to hear was that religion is not supposed to be the cause of disunity. It's supposed to bring people together. It's supposed to bring humanity together. And, uh, you know, we're taught that if religion becomes the cause of disunity, it's better that it doesn't exist. And that, to me, was like so powerful because. 
it's like, yeah, you know, religion has been the cause of disunity for so long. Us and them, we're this, we're, you know, mm-hmm. you're that. And mm-hmm. we can't, you know, we can't marry you or we can't, you know, accept you in these ways or you're not the same as us. There's a lot of that that has happened historically in religion. And it's like God's not really meant to be in competition with himself. There's one God, you know, and and the fact that there are various religions that, you know, prophets that came in different moments in time that have beautiful messages that at their core are the same. We really all come from the same source. Mm -hmm. Amen. mm -hmm. Allahu Akbar. Mm -hmm. Shabbat Shalom. (laughs) All of it. Yes. (laughs) I love what you said. And to me, I've never been a fan of religion, um, but I also acknowledge how religions have a lot of great teachings. Um, but I wish they would take the essence of all these wonderful spiritual teachings from our religions and uh, the whole world could have this one beautiful belief. I mean, this is a fairy tale s- scenario, but I think what's happening is politics is so intertwined with religion that you don't know uh, where the where the line is and everything is so mixed that that we're suffering from this mm. ideology that not necessarily is being preached or used to help people it's designed to help those who need to uh, elevate themselves mm-hmm. politically mm-hmm. so that's the that's the seed of the problem mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as the world becoming more uh, mature and 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 humans are becoming they're they're becoming more evolved mm-hmm. <clears throat> if we can get to a place that we realize we just need to understand that we're the same mm-hmm. and love is the secret to solving everything mm-hmm. And, and we find that unity through love, mm-hmm. then many problems perhaps would, would go away. Yeah. And it, it sounds simple, but yet it needs some amazing people to come together it to really be able to does. apply this. Yeah, it really does. I think, it, I think that's huge, Yeah, is that there need to be leaders who lead with love. We have the worst leaders in the world, really all over the world. Why does every country, like, has the worst leader <laughs> like the worst when i when i say war i mean like the the least like like humanity doesn't exist when you look at all these countries and like the, the, the like the, who's running them you go why power like the people that choose to get i mean someone like you or i may not take that political route because who wants to play in that sandbox because Sorry, it's certain dirty. types of people. Yeah. You know, I, the world will be a better place once every leader of every country is someone like Gandhi. Mm. It's someone who is someone like um, Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, all these beautiful spiritual people. We need to have leaders that their intention is only helping the people. And they're intelligent enough and their intentions are in the right place. And the, 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 those two combined is going to make the world a better place. Do you think we've ever had a leader like that? Yeah, we've had many amazing leaders and every single one of them to this day, uh, their names have stayed alive, mm-hmm. right? Gandhi is one of them. Martha Luther King is one of them. Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela is one of them. And the list goes on of people who really, really had the love and the humanity mm-hmm. and led from that place. Mm-hmm. 
we until more of those leaders um are are put in place i think a lot of the issues because of greed money and power is always going to be there you mentioned that like i can't think of somebody maybe i'm maybe i'm just blanking right now but i can't think of somebody at that level in our generation right now do we have a leader yeah donald trump okay okay sorry Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but do we have that person Look, um, I can't think of America. Anyone. Well, first of all, um, no, of course we don't. America is a capitalist country, and it's very difficult for this country to have a president that runs on those values, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and and I hope I hope um, within these these parties in the future. The intention is everything. Mm-hmm. The intention, if these people finally get to a place and they go, look, I mean, a lot of these presidents are old as fuck. I mean, look, you're about to die. Mm-hmm. What is it about this age that you're still holding on to yeah. this greed and this power? Ah, you're going to die around the corner. Why wouldn't you do just good mm-hmm. for the sake of love and and people in this universe? And, and let go of the rest. I don't know. It's complicated. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. But I really hope, as as a civilian who's got zero power in so many ways, I just wish I want to I want to be positive and say I hope to God one day we have leaders that care about the people, and and they're smart enough. It's just like mm-hmm. there's so many caring people, but they're also not smart, right? Mm-hmm. You, you also need a good smart politician who's educated and understands how to how to implement laws to, to help to help the people hopefully that will happen mm-hmm. you know that's i will run for presidency uh at certain i age. think you would do great i know i would do great but i don't like it uh if they like draw my uh cartoon f- face and then and put a banana through my ear or something i would be very people funny. are already doing the next that. day i know right <laughs> i'll go on my instagram whoever drew that cartoon <laughs> is going to be executed tomorrow <laughs> Let me ask you this, though. I have a question for you. So how has, because I know you're not just a comedian, obviously. Like, you have many talents and other things that you do. Professional you're, you're belly profe- dancer. That, too. The dancing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you've become quite the belly dancer. I've seen your Instagram. <laughs> um, you know, but directing, producing, you know, a lot of things that that you do beyond being a comedian, acting. Mm-hmm. Um, but how has, how do you think, comedy has changed as a result of social media like the way that you connect with your fans and also the nature of like your jokes and how you tell jokes is it i mean because everything's like short form now so how has that changed for you being a comedian and navigating social media well comedy has there's been a lot of pressure now on on comedians for what they're going to say how they're going to say what they're going to talk about um and uh, on that end some of it has been positive some of it has been negative um the positive has been like finally there should be some sort of pressure um in the sense of like hey don't talk from a toxic place Mm -hmm. so if someone is promoting uh discrimination and and uh just negative evil uh you know dark sort of mentality um, you know, I, I think in, in those realms of things is, is sort of positive. 
But at the same time, who's going to be the police to decide this is dark and this is angelic, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A lot of comedians are upset and they say, hey, let us all talk. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and and you want to be an audience of mine or not, and this is your choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people say, no, this creates a toxic environment. Now, more than ever before, we're very conscious of um, how, like, female empowerment, right? Mm-hmm. So the way comedians refer to women and the way they talk to so it sort of promoted some sort of misogynistic mm-hmm. mentality and, and et cetera. So I think I even women did that. Yeah. Like, I feel like it became, no, it became a norm. Yeah. Right. And so now I feel like in that realm of things have gotten better. Um, racism. I think, I think for, for let's say a non-black comic to use the N word and try to be, not try to be respectful, etc. All of that is very positive. Well, what about the Dave Chappelle thing, the Netflix special with the LGBTQ? I think as a comedian, I think he, I don't think he had the intention uh, to hate. Yep. And and that's where I draw my, my, my conclusion from. I'm like, is he trying to hate? Mm-hmm. No. Is he making a point from his vision, what is this his perspective? Yes. Yeah. Now, do you agree or disagree? That's your choice. Yeah. But to attack him and 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 turn him into a villain, no. Right. Like he made a bad joke that some people were offended by. It because, wasn't. It wasn't, and it wasn't even, even bad. So yeah. I, honestly, I watched it just to see what, and I wasn't offended by it, but it's not directed at me. Yeah, but also a lot of people didn't watch the, the, the Chappelle's mm. problem was like you didn't even watch the whole special. You right. judge me from a part of this, yeah. and and he spent a lot of time crafting his point of view for a one hour comedy special, mm-hmm. not for a seven minute special, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not for one seven minutes part of it. So mm-hmm. so this guy is an artist who who wants to talk about a, a topic that he feels like. Uh, it's it's controversial and he feels like hey maybe there is some uh some parts of this doesn't make sense and and i want to bring these up and i want Mm -hmm. the society i want people to think i want to i want to create a thought-provoking environment at my show yeah so no i don't think i I don't think Chappelle's scenario was any 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 wrong but um again there's no balance with this sensitivity and mm. and i guess this this is part of the the society's growth this is what it takes for us as a society to to get to where we need to be mm-hmm, with this mm-hmm. right yeah. so we're going to get there hopefully we have gotten to a really good place in many ways that if you compare where we are today to like 50 years ago it's just that now i feel like they're pushing certain things so much it's becoming hard for artists to just be who they are and be, be themselves when they're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Do you feel restricted? Do I do. You, feel, you I think do. twice? Yeah, 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 of course. Like yeah. uh, sometimes I know for the fact I'm not racist. I know how, how much love I have for cultures. Um, I, you know, I'm an ethnic, I have an ethnic background and and so, but sometimes, like I want to, let's say, talk about a, 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 you know a story that I'm that 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 has that I'm, I'm I'm on stage telling a story, 
and I want to do an accent, mm -hmm. I can't do do an accent. Mm. I can't do an accent because someone's gonna be like, oh, look at that, uh, mm. that was wrong and you crossed the line and uh, you're not from Brazil and why did you do a, why did you imitate a Brazilian? Now in this case, nobody- I like, I like like uh, cult like cultural jokes and race jokes and stuff. I guess there's truth in it. I mean, if you're not, I don't think that makes you racist. There are differences, like cultural differences between us and they're kind of funny. Yeah, but if you, <laughs> like, if you, you know, like, if you do, uh, if you imitate now, uh, an accent of let's say a Chinese person mm. or a Latin person or, or you know and, and then all of a sudden someone's offended. What about your British? You do a British one. Yeah, British. Then British, nobody gets nobody offended cares. because they're white. So <laughs> right now, white people are taking it. All right. So right, you can make anybody from, from Sweden, right? Uh, anyone from uh, UK, uh, any Australians. <laughs> hey, my ah ah ah. Everyone's like, ha ha, hilarious. <laughs> you know. Um, I'm taking it. That's until like something happens and then you're not allowed to do that. Either. Yeah. But also like, okay, like you do a lot of crowd work. You're really great at it. And that's something that I feel like could get you in trouble potentially. And it, and no one's like, like, no, I don't sit in the front row of any <laughs> show except when I come to yours. Cause I know I'm safe, Yeah. but, but like, you know, people know don't sit in the front cause you're going to get called out. But there's people who are, increasingly sensitive to that are do you worry about like a no i don't perform from a place of fear okay you can't mm -hmm. if you go i in my head i know that my intention is pure mm -hmm. i have no ill intention i'm not here to hurt anybody's feelings nor i hate anyone and i've got nothing but love and respect and joy to be here so from that place, I give myself all the permission to perform. And, and if I don't do that, it's going to affect my performance. Mm -hmm. And I have not fully given this beautiful experience to the audience. So I go and I, and I, and I play 100%. Now, if, some, if it bothers someone, that's on them, mm -hmm. right? And, and frankly, uh, I do do a lot of crowd work and I hardly ever had anybody being upset about it. Mm -hmm. uh, usually what happens is those people become good friends. Mm. They actually feel like, oh my God, I connected to this guy in a, in a very interesting way. They were part of a show and they usually stay and they talk to me after the show and, and we hit it off and it's, you know, by hundreds yeah. I've had this experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the way to do it too. Yeah, so so let me talk to you about your your upcoming um, adventurous stuff. What? You're doing a lot of fun, um, fun from my end, but like your law experiences on e entertainment, on television, and on social media is taking like uh, such a, a beautiful course. And I want to see where you at with this and what's happening and and yeah. let us in that world. Yeah, I think. Um... A year or two ago, probably around, honestly, before the pandemic, but really during the pandemic, um, I just realized that I think part of my purpose is to talk about the law to lay people and get people to either understand their rights or understand the law that is complex and that a lot of people just don't even have access to. So one of the frustrations that I discovered in being a lawyer is that, wow, most people don't even speak this language. And it's not fair. And how are people even navigating life without knowing what the rules are? 
And we saw that a lot during COVID because the laws were changing every week and people were like, wait, what can I do? I can do this. Wait, when can I do what? I have to test. And what's the rule about five days? Whatever it was like, there were all especially like in California, we had a lot of the rent, uh, the rent ordinances that were sort of changing to give people rent relief and all of that. But people didn't understand them and they changed every week. Yeah. So I started doing videos just kind of breaking down what this stuff meant. So and on your social media, you would just make started, short videos explaining things in a simple language yeah. that here's a law and this is how you can exercise it. Yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but you know what what that's all kind of turned into is doing a lot of stuff in, in broadcast and on TV. And um, so this past year, uh, maybe over a year now, I've been doing live TV. So I've been doing a weekly thing. Um, I was doing law and crime every week. I was doing court TV. The Johnny Depp case came about and that created even more opportunities. So I was doing a lot of uh, commenting, legal commenting on television. And then when the Depp case came out, I was getting like my phone, my email, like everything was blowing up. And uh, Blowing up from whom? MSNBC, BBC, and, you know, like, wow. it was, like, Entertainment Tonight, The Talk. How awesome. Um, e -new like, E! News. They wanted to know this. your perspective on the case. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing a lot more, um, lo you know, a lot more broadcast TV, and, and I'm still doing live every week and um, talking about mainly, you know, celebrity cases because I represent celebrities, so that kind so of So you were on all of these TV programs. Did that give you some sort of uh, uh, boost on your on your own work? Like, did a lot of people reach out to you for work clients, etc., or better quality clients? Yeah, I mean, some. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very busy with my practice in any yeah. case. But um, I would say some. But it's interesting because I don't know if there's a divide between lawyers who are on TV and lawyers who actually work as lawyers and mm -hmm. you know run firms like I yeah. do. I don't know if there's a divide there. But I, I also kind of part of me worries a little bit that the more broadcast I do, the more people think I'm not I, I don't have a firm. Um, no, it's not that. I feel like if I see a, f a lawyer on TV, I'm like, shit, I cannot afford her. I think there's that too. <laughs> <laughs> She's on TV. Forget about that one. Yeah. So, so I think, yeah, so it hasn't, but it's been, I was talking to a friend about this the other day because, you know, you just kind of go with what feels good and yeah. I'm having fun and it's, it's been a bit of a journey and a ride and it's been easy. Like live TV has been very easy for me. Um, yeah, because you're a great speaker. You have a very clear opinion. Uh, you're very well spoken, but of people, course. But there's people who get nervous still, I think. So do you and, get any dates from all this media well, stuff? Well, you know I ignore guys. So. <laughs> Damn. See, that's your problem. That is my problem. That's one of one of many. But um, So you make these videos and, and, and to help the people understand the law and somebody just writes, hey, girl. Can I take you out to coffee? There's some weird stuff. What kind, you know, of, what kind of I law? mean, you probably get that too, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just straight up get naked photos. I just, I, I imagine I, that I get happens. nudes all the time. Do you? Really? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I get nudes. And and I just send out a little emoji of like the, the thank you. Like, <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> do you really? Do you respond with thank you? They say uh, one nude a day takes what, the headache yeah. away. Oh, boy. <laughs> I have I, for sure. Nobody but has maybe, sent me nudes, but not maybe every day. But I mean, of course you get nudes. Yeah, yeah. of course. I mean, I, mean, my, I they, feel like they a, won my opinion. It's very uh, your. 
<laughs> you get you get requests. Yeah. Um, no, I think I mean I almost wonder. I feel like a lot of men get that. My ex used to get stuff like that all the time. I think a lot of like women do that, and I don't know if men do it's that. It's part of like the new society sort of norm. It's yeah? weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't judge it. I just mm. say, that's your choice and that's how you like to communicate with me. I, I get it. I mean, I would just be so fearful <laughs> that that thing would get other places that I wasn't intending. Like, yeah, they don't care. They don't care. Some, you know, this, that's another thing. Like, uh, I don't know what's the healthy thing uh, to say about that. Should we care so much or should we shouldn't care at all? I guess there should be some sort of balance. But the older I get, uh, I feel like live responsibly, but don't care too much. Mm. Responsibly, don't care. I feel like a naked a photo there, but... floating around would be irresponsible. Who cares? Said, Who cares? Yeah, you're a man. No, but like, like, so what? In today's society, who cares? There was a time, like, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I guess less now, you know, but I just, I personally would Some not of our want biggest celebrities became big celebrities from their sex tapes. But do you think they're respected? Yeah. In some ways, but. Yeah, Kim Kardashian. She could become the next president. How did she become Kim Kardashian? One of the biggest jumps of her career was her sex tape. They also have done a lot of uh, humanitarian work. Sure, they've done things since you know? then, of course. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just, it, it's a very uh, diluted, it's a very gray area when it comes to who says what's right and what's wrong. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you do what works for you, I guess. Um, but playing 100% of the rules, maybe it's unnecessary. Mm -hmm. And and going against it 100%, maybe it's unnecessary. I just think people will find peace if they find what their life philosophy is. And once they figure it out, what that is for them, then from that from that place, they, they make their choices. Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, so you you have a faith that that is very specific to to um to what for what it is, and then you live and and you kind of lead your life through those life philosophies, lens, and, right? Yeah. To those values. I'm not sending you a nude, Max. Oh, all God. all this just to convince oh, me to send God. you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> was like, that was like a 20-minute speech to convince me to send me a no, send no, you a no, nude. No, 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 no. You're blushing. I, I love you so much. Yeah, you got me there. <laughs> um, oh, I do want to ask you one thing. Sure. Um, are you ever worried that someone is going to steal your jokes? Like, you know, you work at your jokes and you spend some time thinking about it. And, and I don't know how long it takes you to come up with things. But are you, are you ever worried that someone's going to hear it and then it's no longer going to be original and then next time you can't use it at your show? I'm never worried about it. Okay. I don't like it, mm -hmm. but I'm not worried about it. Okay. Uh, I feel like uh, a lot of younger, weaker uh, comics who don't know who they are, they have to steal maybe material, which is not, it doesn't even help them. Um, but it happens a lot mm -hmm. and it's happened to me and it's yep. happened to most comedians. Yep. Um, I don't like it, but I'm not worried about it. I go on stage, I perform my set, uh, as best as, as, as I can. And, and the thing is this though, the more, um, you become 
clear with who you are on stage, your voice becomes so specific mm -hmm. that the way I tell a bit, mm -hmm. it's so hard for someone else to take mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. But it happens. It happens. Uh, it actually has happened to other comedians that, that someone has taken their jokes and has delivered it better than them. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's happened many times. Is there like a code amongst comedians? Like what if you see someone stealing it's, someone's yeah, joke? It's so looked down upon. Yeah. It's so not cool. Yeah. And I think no no respected comedian would, would want that. Yeah. You know, and it happens uh, sometimes even accidentally. Yeah. It, it's it's many times it's happened that I thought of something or I've heard something and it's been in the my subconscious and I didn't realize when I'm riffing on stage, especially someone like me, because I, I, I riff and I improvise and, and you use a line or an idea uh, of some sort that that has been just in the back of your head and you have no idea where it came from. But but people know that if you stole someone's thing to take it and then deliberately, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's not it's not it's not a it's not a fun thing, and I don't think anybody likes it. Comedians mm -hmm. don't like it, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and I think nowadays, because of internet and there's like how everything is so easy to to search and find, a lot of a lot le this is happening way less. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you can just say, hey, dude, this is like, you know, you, you can find out about you can it much, find it, much yeah, faster. Quicker, you know? Yeah. Okay. So let's say you do a special for Netflix. Netflix mm -hmm. owns that special. They make it into a recording and they throw it on Spotify or Pandora. Okay. okay? Netflix gets paid for that recording. Yeah. But shouldn't you get paid for the jokes that you wrote every time? So it's like if Universal Music. I, I don't know because I feel like I've been... Uh, I feel like that depends on the contract that you drew with the network. If you said, yeah, I'm going to sell this. If you agreed to a sum of money to give the rights of all of this to them, then no, you can't, uh, to me, you cannot say here is the right to use this. But if you use it, again, it, it should be specified in the contract how that material is going to be used. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. But so a lot of comedians pulled their content from Spotify because of this, because they weren't getting paid, like Tiffany Haddish, a lot of estates of uh, of some of the big comedians. They pulled their content because they're trying to negotiate something where they actually get paid as the people who wrote the jokes, not just performers. Because mm, mm. maybe they wanted to use the joke elsewhere and they weren't able to because it was used there. Well, or, I guess or, or if you think of it this way, like somebody who... You just have to think of it as like somebody who wrote a song mm -hmm. versus sang the song. That makes so, sense. That makes sense because a comedian is the writer and the performer mm -hmm. of that content. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think so that's fair enough. That's happening now. So we'll I see. Think that, I think that's fair enough. There's also another side of this that comedians are um, the writer of the joke. So, so mm -hmm. it's, it's a given, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not like... But but music, there are is defined that differently. Like, like there could be somebody yes, wrote a song yeah. that didn't perform. But a it. comedian yeah. is not a comedian if he if this joke or this thing that's written didn't derive from their perspective. Right. You know, comedians have writers, yeah. but that still kind of falls within their own perspective. So again, it is their bit, and they're the creator writer of this because. 
they're dictating within that settings of those people that are helping them to craft their idea and yeah. perspective, right? And like it would be weird if a comedian, like if someone else who is not a comedian or another comedian came along and performed the comedian's, one comedian's jokes. I feel yeah. like that's not going to happen. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. that's cool. Look, uh, I, I, I feel like I can chat with you for another four hours. I had the best talk with you. Thank you for <laughs> watching. Uh, thank you for listening. Please follow Mitra Ahurian on her Instagram. The handle is? Mitra E-S-Q. Wow, she made it super easy. I did. Because um, who can? I will who's not make spell you guys. Ahurian? I will not make you guys learn how to spell my last name. <laughs> so, so if you have any questions, uh, you know, send it to her DMs. And if you have any nudes, send don't, it my don't way. send nudes to me. To me, send okay, it to send me. To Clarif- clarifying to me. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Adios. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>